You're listening to Hidden History, and I'm your host, Ellis Tucci. If you know any way that we can improve our content for you, the listener, drop us a line at hiddenhistory.show forward slash contact. To catch up on all our past episodes and hear new ones every Wednesday, head on over to your Apple Podcasts app or hiddenhistory.show and learn something new today. A quick note, our merchandise shop is now open for business. You can check out all our designs by clicking on the merch button on our website. If you had to convey vitally important information to our descendants thousands of years from now, how would you do it? Would you carve your message into stone or cast it into metal? Would you create a series of signs and symbols that represented the meaning of your information? If you did, your message would almost definitely be lost in translation. I don't really need to tell you this, but language changes. Semiotics, our symbols and signs, they change too. In three or four thousand years, your message would most likely be unintelligible to the vast majority of people. And when dealing with vital information, life or death information, that simply won't do. But if it would be difficult to have a present message interpretable 4,000 years into the future, then how could we possibly preserve information for 10,000? And almost as important, why would we want to? Well, if you were wondering that exact question, you're in for a special treat, because that's exactly what we're talking about this week. This is Hidden History, and you're listening to episode 34, 10,000 Years. In post-World War II America, nuclear energy seemed to be the stuff of science fiction that had jumped off of the page and into reality. It was touted as the energy source of the future, which is readily obvious through the stylings of mid-century futurism. In the 1950s and 60s, there were at least five serious proposals for nuclear-powered vehicles. The Cold War saw plans for the atom in everything from aviation to spaceflight. In the United States, this fascination with nuclear energy largely continued up until 1979, when the Three Mile Island disaster outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, effectively killed the public love affair with nuclear in one fell swoop. On a side note, if you want to learn more about Three Mile Island and the technology and history behind nuclear reactors, check out episode 8. Though the public would become increasingly wary of their once darling power source, especially after the Chernobyl disaster of 1986, by and large, the nuclear power infrastructure in the United States was already in place, and it was so integrated into the American generation system that dismantling that system was entirely out of the question. But don't be fooled. At the time of recording, there are 60 nuclear power plants in the United States, making for a total of 98 reactors. And nuclear is the safest and most efficient form of large-scale green energy production. Yet, 
that doesn't mean that it doesn't have its issues. And one of the main issues with nuclear is finding safe and secure ways to store highly radioactive waste. During the planning phase for the nuclear waste repository at Yucca Mountain, the storage capacity of 150 million pounds of high-level waste caused the National Academy of Sciences to call for radiation proofing on the facility that would last for one million years. The EPA's standard time frame for the safe storage of radioactive waste is 10,000 years. So let's return again to the question I asked in the beginning. If you had to convey vitally important information to our descendants thousands of years from now, how would you do it? Let's take a look at how people have tried to answer that question in the past. In 1981, the United States Department of Energy and the Bechtel Corporation, an engineering and construction firm that oversees waste disposal sites, came together to form the Human Interference Task Force the goal of which was to prevent future humans from accidentally stumbling upon these sites in a future where their location and purpose was not understood. Swiss physicist Emil Kowalski suggested that the sites be designed so that they could only be accessed by a highly technologically advanced people, and that if these people had the ability to enter the sites, then they would surely have the ability to detect radiation. Hungarian semiotician Vilmos Voigt suggested a ring of warning signs in every major language to be regularly expanded upon as languages evolve, forming a vast field filled with warnings in languages past and present. Still, some ideas put forth to the Human Interference Task Force bordered on absurd. French author François Bastide and Italian semiotician Paolo Fabri proposed creating a special breed of cat, unique in their color, that lived around the disposal sites to serve as a warning to any approaching humans. The famed Polish author Stanislaw Lem proposed creating a new type of plant that would only grow near the disposal site. The DNA of these plants would be encoded with messages to warn our future selves. But the most remembered and most unsettling of the proposals put forth came from the American semiotician Thomas Sibiok. He proposed the creation of an artificial hierarchical religion likened in form to the Catholic Church. It would be called the Atomic Priesthood, and its elite class would be trained in the locations and purposes of the waste disposal sites in order to create myths and rituals that would keep people away conflating radiation with the supernatural. While some of these suggestions received through the Human Interference Task Force were reasonable, none of them were incorporated into the design philosophy of waste disposal sites. The 10,000-year problem remained. Imagine the year is 8019 and you're walking through the vast, barren desert in present-day New Mexico. Far ahead of you on the horizon is... something. It looks otherworldly and unnatural. As you draw close, you begin to make sense of what exactly it seems to be. 
It is a field full of massive granite spikes, 30 and 40 feet tall, tearing from the ground at odd angles like angry thorns. On them are carved faces of horror and disgust. Etched into the rock in several languages, you can make out the following. This place is a message, and part of a system of messages. Pay attention to it. Sending this message was important to us. We considered ourselves to be a powerful culture. This place is not a place of honor. No highly esteemed deed is commemorated here. Nothing valued is here. What is here is dangerous and repulsive to us. This message is a warning about danger. The danger is in a particular location. It increases towards the center. The center of danger is here, of a particular size and shape, and below us. The danger is still present in your time as it was in ours. The danger is to the body, and it can kill. The form of the danger is an emanation of energy. The danger is unleashed only if you substantially disturb this place physically. This place is best shunned and left uninhabited. What you just found was the ruins of the Waste Isolation Pilot Plant in southeastern New Mexico, the first deep geological waste storage facility in the United States. The material inside all came from the production of nuclear weapons. In 1992, Sandia National Laboratories produced a report outlining ways to future-proof the waste isolation pilot plant for generations to come. The report resulted in what was called the Landscape of Thorns, or the Spike Field, in which architecture and design could be used to create a place that would prove so unsettling, so eerie, that so long as it stood, humans would not go near. But if you were really in the situation described above, trekking through the desert thousands of years into the future, would the sight of massive spikes in the middle of a vast emptiness really drive you away? Or would it prove so alluring in its mystery as to compel you to investigate? Cornell history and art professor Andrew Moisey argues that such a structure would prove magnetic to any who came across it, existing as an attractive nuisance, especially if its meaning has been lost to time. It is estimated that the waste isolation pilot plant will be sealed between 2025 and 2035, and they, as of yet, have failed to erect an imposing field of thorns. Would it be better to leave no sign of human settlement at the location? To simply erase it from the map and hope it isn't chanced upon? Should we build a massive field of spikes or create a new religion to warn us of the dangers of the atom? Ultimately, we'll never know, but we can think and plan and experiment, trying to determine what the future holds for us and for our languages. So I will ask one last time. If you had to convey vitally important information to our descendants thousands of years from now, how would you do it?
the musical pieces in this week's episode with a gymnopédie from Eric Satie. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>